Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Father, we just thank you and just we welcome you into this room, Holy Spirit, that you would show up and you would show out and that we would leave different just by hearing the gospel. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. It says the gospel is foolishness to man. Why? Because it comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we're changed. We're not changed by our efforts. It's futile to try to change yourself by your efforts because it'll never work. Because if it could have, Jesus would have never needed to come. Anything that you're like, okay, is this grace or is this not grace? If it's, if it's saying Jesus never needed to come, it's not grace. So what I want to do is I want to answer the question today. How do we receive? I mean, it says all the promises of God are yes and amen. But how do we receive them? We have to be very careful that we don't turn it into a work. Listen, there is nothing you can do to get the blessings of God. God, through Jesus Christ, made you righteous. And according to Proverbs chapter 10, it says the blessings are upon the head of the righteous. That's the only way you can receive it. Well, Eric, don't my works matter? Sure they do for the world. Remember, this is already good, right? This is what needs to be worked out. And because of what he did here, we're able to work it out here. As he loves us, we're able to love others. So we want to go back to this, how do we receive? God has made it so simple for us. And we go on our own tangents and try to figure it out on our own as if the answer is not right there in front of our eyes the whole time. By the way, just think about this. Romans 2, 4. Do you not know the long-suffering and the forbearance of God that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? What comes first, the goodness of God or repentance? The goodness of God. So that means even here, this is just the good news. This is just a bonus. Even when you don't have it all together, which by the way, you'll never, okay? Even when you don't have it all together, God has a way of getting goodness to you that you don't deserve. And when you get that goodness that you don't deserve, it will cause you to repent. That means it will change the way that you think on how you see God, how you see yourself, and how you see others. Remember Peter, the first time he met Jesus, Jesus is like, they hadn't caught in anything. He goes, throw your nets out. And he throws his nets out. Not only does it start to sink the net, they pulled up to the boat, it starts to sink the boat. And Peter at that moment realized that Jesus wasn't thought who he thought he was. He was the Messiah. Remember, Peter is the first one recorded on declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember, he said, and upon that, I'll build my church. So I'm going to go into a little Hebrew for you guys. Now, all the promises are yes and amen. In Hebrew, what would that look like for us? By the way, they have a Hebrew Bible. It's called the Brit Hadashah. Delich, which is a Hebrew scholar, took all of the Greek words and translated them into Hebrew so that Messianic Jews, Jews who believe in Jesus, could read it. 
and their own language. New Testament, Brit Hadashah. Brit is covenant, Hadashah is renewed. It's actually called the renewed covenant because they believe it came and all started with Abraham, which it did. Okay, so, uh, so if all the promises of God are yes and amen, yes in Hebrew is kin. And amen is aman, which is the root word for imun, which is faith, which is the root word for imuno, which is faithful. Right? So let's look at this for a second. The word yes, kin. It's a kaf and a lamid. These are the Hebrew letters. Now, every Hebrew letter has a Hebrew picture. Kaf is a picture of an open hand. And noon is a picture of life. So by saying yes to God, you're opening up your hand to life. Now, how do we open up our hand to say yes to life? To hear that the work has been finished and Jesus has paid it all. The more that you hear that and the more that you hear that and the more that you hear that, guess what? Your hands will be opened up to receive life. Doesn't mean God still can't get things to you, but I'm talking about the abundant life that he promised. Why are so many Christians settling for less? Well, it's just not in God's will. No, it's not true. It is God's will. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Not just life, the quality of life that's here on earth, but his quality of life, all that he is, he came to give that. Came to give you life abundantly. So let's get to the place where we start receiving that abundant life. And it all comes by what you hear. Think about it. You could watch the news for 30 minutes and all of a sudden leave depressed. So, it, no, let's just, let's, let's do a little comparison here. Isn't that right? So, all of a sudden, you know, everything was going good, and you listen to the news for 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, you leave walking out depressed. So, isn't it an imp important thing of what we hear? Absolutely. Matter of fact, if you look at the Romans' road to salvation, it's all first what they hear, and then it's what happens in their heart, then it's what comes out of their mouth. Amen? So, what's the word for no, low? means to control strongly, close tight hands. So let's do a little experiment. Put out your hand like this. You received that, right? No problem. Your hand was open. Now close your hand. Well, you like that? But you get the picture. You get the picture, right? So when you're saying yes, what you're saying is Jesus... You finished the work and you paid it all. I can freely receive now. But when you say no, what you're saying is, no, I can do something to earn and deserve what you freely want to give me. And you frustrate the grace of God. Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Are you guys, yes, no. We need to hear more of how it's been finished and that it's been paid. Think about it. Say we go out and I take you guys out for a dinner at Red Lobster. And then we're done eating and I jump up, all right, let's go. In all good conscience, you're not going to be able to walk out of that restaurant because you never saw me pay the bill. Right? I, I can already tell you, they'd be glued. They'd be like in that, that 70s show, remember, when Eric and Donna were the last ones and they all had left, you know what I mean? Oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get the money. And they left them, but they wouldn't go, and they stayed to the very bitter end. 
That's these guys right here. I can tell already. I ain't going nowhere. You know, better get out your credit card. But you guys understand the point that I'm trying to get across. If you don't know it's paid, how are you ever going to be able to receive it? Here, do you know it was God's idea to pay what you couldn't pay so that, what, so that you could receive what you could never receive by anything that you do before him? Remember, if you want to be under the law, if you break one, you've broken them all. And you know what the last commandment is out of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. Study that word. It means to lust. And that means for anything. I know people throw, oh, sexual. No, anything. Lust for anything. It was like the crux at the end that it was the scorpion's tail that would get you because maybe the, the claws didn't get you, but the scorpion tail at the end, it got you because you can't overcome that one thing thou shalt not covet. So us receiving is us knowing the work is finished and that it's been paid. Listen, and it just wasn't paid. It was an overpayment. It was such an overpayment that God became a gainer in redemption more than he ever had in creation. Okay, so... We all know this scripture, if you've been in church any time, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, but the gift of God, but the gift of God is internal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, God doesn't take back gifts. When he gives you something, he gives it to you because there's no strings attached. And when he gives it to you, it's based on a, a just foundation because Jesus already paid with it with his blood. Listen, how can we... Encourage people to trust in a God that hasn't even secured salvation for them. How? How could, you, how could you trust in that? One day I got it, one day I don't. One day I got it, one day I don't. If I do this, I get it. If I do this, I won't. I just hope on my last dying breath, as I was told, I had been doing the right thing. Otherwise, it's all, no matter how good I'd done before, that ruined it. Really, that's, that's not even logical. How can we tell people to trust in Jesus when... He hasn't secured everything for us. What are you going to trust in? If it's not secure, how can you trust in it? If this chair isn't secure, how can I trust to sit down and put my weight on it? Oh, well, it's, oh, it's only got three legs. You'll be all right, though. Balance it out. That's what they tell people. Balance the gospel out. Have some law. Have some grace. Mix it up together. You know, it'll work out in the end. But you never know, what, you never know that you have it. So you leave people hanging in limbo, and they're never really sure. We got preachers preaching saying, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if you're going to heaven. Let's just do the best we can and hope it works out for us. Get out of the pulpit. You have no business up there teaching. That's not the gospel. So let's look at some things here. Wages, right? For the wages of sin is death. Opsonion is the Greek word. So I study this word, and it comes from a word, optos which is a picture of a roasted animal. Do you know out of the five offerings that we have, we have an offering called the burnt offering. And do you know what it is? It's a sweet-smelling aroma that goes up to God. Do you know God has smell? Matter of fact, it says these six things the Lord hates, the seventh. The seventh is an abomination to him. You know what that is? One who sows discord among brethren. And the word there in the Hebrew literally means a wretched stench. 
were sowing discord among brethren. But the burnt offering was a sweet-smelling, savory incense to him. How do you see yourself coming to God? Because you know what 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are unto God a sweet-smelling incense in Christ. Every time you come to God, it's as if God smells his son. And he's pleased with that smell because he knows it comes from his son. And we're in him, so we have that same fragrance. Another, another uh, translation uses fragrance. We have that same fragrance on us when we go to him. Why? The work's been finished and the debt's been paid. Otherwise, we would be a wretched stench. Wow. You see what Jesus did for you? Man, you need to be going up in prayer, man. I'm a sweet-smelling fragrance of the Lord. How you doing, Daddy? Most people are like, oh, okay, uh, oh, I did that yesterday. Lord, I confess this sin. And then I did. They get so caught up in that, they never have time for a relationship with him. They do not have any intimacy with him. Why? I know. I was that guy. I brought all my best works, which were filthy rags before him, but I thought I was bringing him these, you know, pristine works, and they were all filthy rags. See, let me give you a little idea, and this wasn't even something I was going to say. Do you know in order for God to reject your prayers, he would have to reject Jesus? And it is an impossibility for God to reject Jesus because he has been made a high priest, which he is the one in between us and God. He represents us before God. He was made a high priest in the order of Melchizedek forever. It's almost like saying eternity. Jesus became eternity in our place between us and God. And all that he is, is all that we are. Why? Because it is finished and he paid the price. There's nothing left for you to do. By the way, this won't promote people not doing good works. Actually, it will promote people doing good works so that they may see that their, their, those good works reflect our Father in heaven and people will give glory to it. Hey, listen. I don't care what anybody's doctrine says. Do you know why? Because I know what a changed life through Jesus Christ looks like and I'm living it. I am not the same anymore and I did not get this way on my own. He did it in me, through me, so people could see. I mean, people that hadn't seen me in a long time, like, what happened to you, bro? You, you don't even look the same. Physically, they said I didn't even look the same anymore. That sweet-smelling fragrance, they recognize it. They just don't know what it is. So, by the way, so the wages of sin, sin is a noun here. It's not a verb. That means it's a person a place, and a thing. Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21. So he became the noun sin, right? So he became the person, the old Adam, okay? Lived in Adamville and did Adam things. But he never did them, but that's what was set to his account. Noun, it's very important that we understand noun. And guess what? It says that death came. Then atos. Have you, anybody ever seen uh, Thanos from, uh, yeah, death. it means death. Yeah, isn't it interesting the Greek brings that out here? I thought of that when I was studying this. It's like, hey, man, that, that's what that guy's name, Thanos. That is death. Okay, so listen to this, what it means. So he was, he was the, the burnt offering, which was made up of who we used to be in Adam, being a person, a place, and a thing, and he was put to death 
And that old man and everything that he did is no more. No more. You know, I was, I was taught, you know, when I came into the church at 30 years old that, you know, the old man's trying to kick out the, you know, the coffin door, get back out and, you know, start his rampage again. They didn't understand this stuff. And I believed it. Oh, that's my old man. I got to repent. I got to make myself pay. So I'll make myself suffer to make up for the wrong. That Anybody ever been there and done that kind of stuff before? Do you think that making yourself suffer and pay honors God whatsoever? What you're saying is you can make yourself suffer and pay and it would have done more than what Jesus already suffered and paid for. Wow. Okay, next one. Romans 6, 1 and 2. So, you know, people always got to say, Eric, you know, greasy grace. You know, uh, Eric, you know, Grace is just license to sin. You got to be careful with it. If you don't temper it right with the law, then people just go off and live wild. That's not what the Bible says. And I've only seen three people in my life that actually really got the grace message and, and you know, went off and just used it as an excuse. Only three people. And I've taught thousands and thousands of people over the last 20 years. Only three people I've seen that did that. They just used it for an excuse. But just because they did that, does that make Nolan void what Jesus did? And by the way, they never really got it. They got it in theology, but they didn't get it in the heart. There wasn't the transformation didn't take place because when you're transformed, you act like you're transformed. What does he say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So listen to what it says here. What shall we say? Shall we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live any longer in it? What's the key word? Having died to sin. What does that mean? Like, think about that for a second. What does that mean? Okay, we've died to sin. All right, let's look at this. So, uh, Romans 10, uh, sorry, 6.10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. I love that. Once. It's the Greek word, aphapax. It's in the perfect tense. That means it happened one time and it never has to be repeated again. The job was so well done that it never has to be repeated again. It's not like a painting that needs to be retouched up or anything like a car that it gets dirty again and needs to be done. It's been done once and for all and it never needs to be repeated again. So Jesus died to sin once for all. How did he die? Now, we know in him was no sin. He committed no sin, and he knew no sin, right? These are all, this is scripture, right? So how did he die to sin? By imputation. God the Father, at the perfect time, had his son, which is also God, come into the flesh, born into a virgin, born out of that woman, and walked the face of the earth, and in him was no sin. He knew no sin, and he committed no sin. But at the cross, at 12 o'clock, God took all of mankind's sin, past, present, and future, and he gathered it all together. He, only he could have done this. And he imputed it to his son as if he did it. He became liable for it. And Jesus was judged, condemned, and punished 
to the full extent of God's law to where he died to that sin. By the way, if you go back and look at scripture, it says that we were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We rose in Christ and we are seated together at the right hand of the Father in Christ. A lot of in Christ there. So here's the deal. The law is the ministry of condemnation and death. So that means the law sets you up saying you, you still have to be judged, condemned, and punished for your sin. But what grace says is you've already been judged, condemned, and punished for your sin. I was watching a, uh, a show last night, and they were talking about, it was Magnum P.I., the new one. Remember the one with Tom Selleck? That one was pretty cool, you know what I mean? But uh, this is the new one, so it's all new school. And so basically there was this woman who her husband faked his own death and she got framed for the murder and spent time in jail for all those years. And then she got out and she found him and killed him. Well, guess what? They couldn't charge her again because she had already done the time. And they said it's the law of double jeopardy. This is a judicial term. It's the law of double jeopardy. So basically, she killed him, and then she got killed in, the, in, the, in this, uh, or no, uh, yeah, she got killed in the instance or something like that happened. But, it, oh no, what happened was she lived, but she shot somebody else, so she had to go to jail for that crime. But they couldn't charge her for the other crime because she already paid the debt. Jesus paid for all your crimes. And God, on a just foundation, cannot because it would be a travesty of justice for him to make any of us pay for our sin again. As if Jesus didn't do it already. Wow. See, you knowing that you can't pay, does it make you go out and live wild? Matter of, matter of fact... <laughs> It the love of God will constrain you. So here, let me, give you a, let me give you a little instance. So if you didn't know, I had a porn addiction for 28 years. Uh, eight of them were as a non-believer and 20 were for, as a believer. And I really struggled with this thing. I won't go into the details of how or why I was into it, but I will tell you this. When I started to get great, and I used to pray all the time, God, deliver me, God, deliver me, God, deliver me. And it seemed like nothing was happening. But as soon as I started hearing it's been paid for. It's been paid for. That's what I put myself under. It's been paid for. It's been paid for. It's been paid for. Little by little, it dissipated and it went away. And I've got almost 10 years free from pornography. Dude, I tried everything. The rubber band, every time I had a lustful thought, bap, bap, bap. And then I had swollen wrist and that didn't work. So I got another one on this hand. Bap, 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 swollen wrist. Didn't work. I tried all their little things that they said to do. And here was my favorite. Just choose to stop. Right? Like, like, like as if that really works. Just choose to stop. You, I mean, I'm sitting here in tears over this thing. I don't want it, but just choose to stop. Here, let's heap condemnation upon condemnation upon condemnation upon condemnation. So here's the whole point here. That... Jesus died to sin once and for all as it was you. That's how God saw, didn't see his son there. He saw us there. And he judged, condemned, and punished. So that because of the law of double jeopardy, God would never come in and judge, condemn, and punish us ever, ever, ever again. 
So Romans 6, 11. All right, so now you know that Jesus died to sin once and for all. And the whole key is of being free. Matter of fact, if you go to Romans 6, 14, which is going to be coming up, I'm not going to talk about it, but I'll talk about it for a second. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under law, but you're under grace. So the whole context is, if you're under law, that means you think God can judge, condemn, and punish you again. But if you're under grace, you know God can't judge, condemn, and punish you again. It won't have lordship over you anymore. But we have a lot of people, a lot of good, sincere people walking around thinking God is still judging, condemning, and punishing them. It's just true. I fall under that sometimes. I mean, I don't have it all together. Just because I'm teaching this stuff doesn't mean like, you know, I'm perfect in it. But I'll tell you what, I'm not where I used to be and I'm not who I used to be. So uh, Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, in the same manner, reckon. So this word reckon is logizomohi, Greek word, okay? Which is an accounting term. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Wow. Account that you're dead to sin, past, present, and future, that God will never judge, condemn, or punish you ever again, and that you are free from sin. Cram! Are you getting this? See, so it says, likewise, in the same manner, you reckon. How do you reckon? What are you listening to every day? It comes in. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the present, the continuous tense. Every day I'm listening to things that are telling me the work has been finished and the debt has been paid. And that causes me to live my life different than I, if I got caught in back into, oh my God, I got to take care of this. I got to do this. I got to do this because God's upset with me because of this. And, you know, and all that rigmarole. What are you listening to every day? Listen, it has never been easier for us to listen to the good news. Pick them, pick one. Joseph Prince, Creflo Dollar, Andrew Farley, pick one. Get their podcast every day. Spend a half an hour listening to what they have to say about the finished work. And I'm telling you, your life will be different in six months, a year from now. Because when we don't listen, what happens is we go, we go back into that, oh, I got I to gotta do it. And even us that really know this stuff. We're like, oh man, how did I get back into this? And then we catch ourselves, what do I do? I got to get back to listening. It's that simple. So uh, the Hebrew word Shabbat, right, is where we get Sabbath from. And if you study this word, listen to what it means. It means to set down and sit down. What does that mean? Quit your striving and straining to please God and set that that labor down and sit down and rest and receive. And when you do that, you'll get up and you'll be useful for the kingdom to do kingdom things. But if you're always squeezing onto this, like the low, you know, the Hebrew word for no, you're always squeezing onto this. That means you're always busy about doing a work, but you never take time to rest to get what you need first 
so that you can go out and you can do what you couldn't do on your own. Man. It's taken me 20 years just to start to understand this. Just to start to. Let's talk about a couple things here. We're going to talk about your thoughts, your eyes, your hands, your feet, and your words. Just so you know, it's already been taken care of. Well, Eric, I was watching TV and this half-naked lady popped up on the screen. Okay. I mean, you're not, you can't prevent everything. But guess what? Jesus already paid for that. So you're like, Eric, yeah, man, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you know I have guards on all of my cable TV and my access to shows? Not because my wife said I needed to. Not because God said I needed to, but because I want to. Why? Because what he did in here was so amazing, the way he changed me. I want to guard and protect what he's done. So thoughts. Out of all the Gospels, Luke portrays the one with the, with the big drops of uh, blood and sweat coming down. Right? And it's in Luke 22, 42 to 44. And it says he was in agony found that very interesting. He was in agony. How was he in agony? I mean, was he physically hurting? Like, what, was, what, what kind of agony was he in? I mean, he hadn't, he hadn't been taken by the high priest guards yet, and he, hasn't, he hadn't faced any of the sufferings of the Christ yet, you know, as far as, like, physically. So I knew it wasn't that. And I went and studied this word, and guess what I found out this word agony means? Agonia, anxiety. The very thought of a 100% God and 100% man having to take on the sins of the world put him under such anxiety that his pupillary glands started to bust and he started to sweat large drops of blood just thinking about it. It hadn't happened yet. That happened at the cross where God imputed all of our sin to him. But just the thought of it. So guess what? Every thought that you have for things that you've done wrong and you feel anxious, Jesus already felt anxious and blood was dispersed that redeemed that area of your life and you never have to worry about your thoughts being something that God's going to look at and judge, condemn, and punish you for. Good news, right? And what you'll find out is if you believe this and receive it by continuing to listen, right, like we're talking about, it'll be less and less. Isn't that awesome? Now, I used to be, man, oh, I had a bad thought. Oh, my God, I gotta confess to that sin. I got to run over into the corner real quick, and I got to confess the sin. Nobody can know. Yeah, I did. And I was, I, was being, I was being sincere. I really wanted to honor God. But do you know what I was doing and thinking I was honoring God? I was dishonoring what Christ had done because he already paid for it. That would be like me like paying for something for you, and then you know, you're like, and then you try to go up and pay for it when I already paid for it, right? So the next one is the eyes, crown of thorns, Matthew 27, 29 to 30. So they put a crown of thorns on his head. Listen to what they did. By the way, you know, when Peter was like, no, Lord, you know, he's going to defend him, cut off Malchus's ear. And, you know, and he goes, don't you know, I could pray to my father right now and 12 legions of angels would come. More than 12 legions of angels. So a legion's 5,000 times 12 is 60,000 angels. But more than that, I could call him. I could pray to my father right now and do that. Jesus like, I could pull the ripcord and say no to all this. But he didn't. 
Remember he said, he goes, Father, if this cup may pass, but not my will, your will. So they prayed up a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And look what they did. I got some different versions here, but listen to this. NSAB, they kept beating his head with a reed. Reed is like a stick and spitting on him and kneeling before him. And then in NIV, again and again, they struck him on the head with the staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. By the way, this verse is in the imperfect tense. That means they kept doing it over and over and over and over. And if you go back to look how many were there and they were all taking turns, we don't really even have the math to cover that right now. So blood is coming down and it's getting in his eyes and that blood redeemed everything that we would ever see with sin. It's paid. You know what I used to do? I'd see something, right? And I'd go through this whole process to try to make things right with God again. Never having intimacy. Did I say that already about intimacy? Never having intimacy. Look, you can be born again filled with the Holy Spirit and not have intimacy with God. You can tell a person that's had intimacy with God just by how they live their life. Not just by what they say. Now, if I see something that I shouldn't, I guard myself the best I can. You know, you can't, you can't do everything. I mean, there's, you live in the world, right? I see it. Jesus paid for it. Let's move on. I honor what he did by moving on instead of sitting there trying to pay it myself. So the blood in the eyes redeemed us. Blood has a redeeming quality. It redeemed us from every sin of the eye. And that really is iniquity. I don't have time to go into that teaching right now, but that's, that's, that's iniquity. It has to do with what you see with your eyes. That was actually long before they ate the fruit. It was what their eyes saw. <laughs> that's, it's iniquity. The next one, hands and feet bound. Out of all the deaths, you know, capital punishment with the Jews was just stoning to death. And it would have still spilt Jesus' blood. But why did he hang on a cross? Number one, he became a curse. It says, cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. But you know what else? He was nailed to the cross so that he wouldn't escape our judgment. And remember, the thief that said, remember me when you're in your kingdom, he says, you'll be with me there today in paradise. He wasn't able to get off and do anything to make anything right. Well, Jesus wasn't able to get off to make anything wrong. He was bound. He didn't escape. So that man, which is a picture of us, could be in paradise with Jesus. Not only that, do you know Romans uh, 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? That word for spared is fiedomahi. It means did not escape judgment. He didn't get spared. He didn't escape it. God made sure that through the crucifixion, Jesus wouldn't be able to escape judgment. So guess what? Hands, feet. For every path that you walked that wasn't of God, for everything you put your hands to that wasn't of God, Jesus had his hands nailed to a cross and blood came out to redeem you that the price for those things were paid in full and never needed to be repeated again. What about our words? Me and Nikki were actually talking about this. And there's a scripture in Matthew that says, you will be held accountable for every idle word. Anybody ever heard that scripture before? Raise your hand. Yeah. Everybody's heard that scripture, right? Go back and look at the context 
idle words are any words that aren't confessing Jesus is the Christ. It's about receiving or rejecting Christ. It has nothing to do with one day in heaven, God's going to take out the list of everything that we said, and he's going to you know, put it to our account. He's saying, well, you said this, this. You're going to be held accountable for every idle word. Jesus was held accountable for every idle word. At the cross, remember, Jesus says, I thirst. And they gave him sour wine. Do you know in the old covenant, sour grapes were considered a curse? Jesus took the curse on his tongue so everything that we would ever speak would be redeemed because he took the curse and he was judged for it and then right after that he says it is finished (laughs) teleestai root word teleho perfect tense it is finished and it never needs to be repeated again quick story then i'm going to be done so when i was a drug addict I was a hardcore drug addict. I was addicted to, to crack cocaine, and basically I would rob, steal, and, and you know, do anything I had to do to get it. You don't understand that? I'll sit down and explain it to you one time. That's where I was, 15 years. And uh, I went in, I, I grew up in South Florida, and I went over into the Miami-Dade area. It's all black area. White people don't belong there. You're either a cop or you're a drug addict. There's only white people would go in there. And so I went in there, and I had no money in my pocket. And I found this dope dealer to let me sample his drugs so that I could, uh, you know, get high and then I would deal with it later. <laughs> you know, I don't know how I was going to pay the man. I just, I didn't care. I was that addicted to drugs. Just think about how crazy that is. And so I smoked it all up and the drug dealer took a gun out. It was a nickel plate 357 and I could see the bullets in the barrel. And he put it to my head and he clicked back the hammer. How many know when you click back the hammer, you're pretty much there? You're not playing around. I had no idea who this guy was. This guy was like one of the baddest dudes in the area. Like, I, I really messed up this time. And I was going through my pockets, rummaging, like, let a $20 bill be in there, you know what I mean? And this black man, there was a line waiting to get served. Getting served is you're getting sold drugs. There was a black man that got out of line, and he walked up there, and he goes, he had $30 in his hand. He goes, I'll pay his debt. And he paid my debt, and when that man got the money in his hand, the hammer went back, and basically I got chased down the street getting beat with lead pipes. Made it out of there with my life. Somebody paid so that I could go free. Was the debt paid? Yes, the debt was paid, and I went free. Wasn't that the gospel? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, let these words fall into their hearts. Let him bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold and fruit. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.